0: Dude, I didn't know you can get those type of videos on your phone. Totally. I don't know what I did before this. It's better hope your wife never finds out. It's not a big deal. Besides, she's been kind of not fun lately. Look, she's not going to find out.
1: It doesn't matter as long as it doesn't hurt anyone.
0: Are you serious? God never said that. Sorry, is this hurting you? <laughs> Good morning, Journey. You may or may not know that this weekend is Derry's last sermon that he's going to be preaching uh, here at Journey as part of our staff. And what we've wanted to do is, as best we could, we want to honor Derry for all the things that he has meant to us uh, over this last decade plus of ministry. So if you turn your attention to the screens, we're going to watch this little video together. Feel free to laugh.
2: Thanks for the memory of rainy afternoons, swingy Harlem tunes, motor trips and burning lips and burning toast and prune. How lovely it was! Thanks for the memories of candlelight and wine, castles on the Rhine, your cozy chair and parties, where we sang sweet Adeline, how lonely it was. Many's the time that we feasted, and many's the time that we fasted, oh, Well it was swell, while it lasted. We did have fun, no harm done, and thanks for the memory of sunburns at the shore, nights in Singapore. You might have been a headache, but you never were a bore, so thank you so much. The Bible tells us that Jesus
3: came to this earth walked in order to show us what the competency in this earth looked like. He died on a cross and he rose again and he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. He invites us to join him to be on a team that is changing the world. What could be greater? I think that's enough for today.
2: Well, the sun burns at the shore Those nights in Singapore, you might have been a headache, but you never were a bore. So thank you so much.
0: Derry, I just want to say that it's really challenging to, in just a matter of moments, to try to capture uh, how deep our gratitude runs for you. Uh, This last decade plus, uh, you've been a strategic part of everything that we've done. You've helped us to some great wins, and probably even more than that. I've just watched you walk us through some turbulent waters and some dark days and you always gave us hope in the midst of that and for that, I'm really, really grateful as a, as a church and a church family. And on a personal level, I just wanna say thank you for how this transition has been for me, uh, that you've been that guy that I can just go into your office and plop on the chair and drop my head on your desk and, and just say, Derry, is it gonna be okay? And you say, yes, everything is gonna be okay. And that just means the world to me. I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and for some of you out there, uh, and I've heard this a lot, so I know you're thinking it You're going to be like, I miss Derry's preaching, I love it when he preaches Derry is not done preaching at our church This is his last time preaching on staff uh, He'll be preaching regularly around here at Journey We're just working on the schedule of that in this upcoming year And in the years to come, as long as he is open to it open to it, We're going to invite him here over and over uh, Gary, when I was thinking from the scriptures, what I would want to say to you, the scripture that came to my mind was Paul's letter to young Timothy, second Timothy, last letter that we have that he wrote, and he said to young Timothy, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. And that's what I think about you, Derry. I wanna say thank you specifically that you have fought the good fight and you've finished the race. Because I've been around ministry long enough to know that not everybody stays in the race and it's actually a very select few people that finish the race well. And so I feel like you've shown us what it looks like to finish the race well. And so we're incredibly, incredibly grateful for you. Uh, If you could uh, stand up and extend a hand, we're going to pray over Derry. Jesus, thank you for this model of leadership, this model of someone that persevered uh, through things that were awesome and things that were challenging, and he showed us how to do that. Lord, thank you that you gave us someone to grab our hand and walk us through this last 11 years. At Journey. We are so grateful for Derry, God, and we know that this is not the end for him. You've got great plans for him and things that you're going to do in and through his life. Uh, God, you know that we're not taking him off of our speed dial. Uh, We're going to still be pursuing him and asking him questions. But God, we're going to thank you right now in advance for all the things that you're going to do through him in the future. Lord, thank you for this kingdom warrior and thankful. Thank you that we had this opportunity to walk some of those steps with him. Jesus, in your powerful and risen name, we pray. Amen. Gary. This is. This is our gift to Derry. It's a stack of, of napkins. There's a little bit of an inside joke to that. You might think, that is a lame gift to give someone who's given 45 years of his life to kingdom service. But if you know, this is uh, probably about 150 sermons that Derry can write. He writes his sermons on a napkin. And believe it or not, there's times that I've hosted, I've sat there right beside him, he's adding to his napkin while they're playing the music. So we never know exactly what Derry's going to say, and neither does he, until he gets <laughs> up here. So we want to give a warm Warm thank you to Derry once again. You, Love you, bud.
3: You. So John, John, here's his Bible. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, thank you. Um, great to see you all. It's. Uh, it's been a great journey, and uh, so I'm, a, I'm in a place of transition. Um, like Bob said, it, it's not the last time I'll be around. We're not moving anywhere. My wife Marcy and I live five minutes away, over in Four Corners, and uh, we're going to be around. In fact, I'm scheduled to teach the uh, Partners class in October, which is the new Members class, so uh, that'll be happening, and so it's uh, great to... Uh, Great to stay connected to this congregation, which has been so gracious to me. I have a number of things I'm going to keep doing. Uh, One is international teaching. I have invitations to teach in the Philippines and India and Indonesia and Brazil. And uh, that's become kind of an adventure for me and uh, a soul-expanding experience. Uh, I do some part-time work as an academic dean at a Bible college. I'm going to keep doing that. And uh, Harvest Church over in Billings... Has hired me just to do the uh, coach their campus pastors. They have four campuses, and they'd like me to work with their pastors. And so, um, in fact, I'm actually going to have a uh, an office in Belgrade. Uh, The strategy of that is to preserve my marriage. So, (laughs) (laughs) rather than making my office the lazy boy at home. So, uh, anyway, thank you for those kind words, and uh, it's been uh, fun to be part of this team and see what the Lord's been, uh, Lord's been doing. Uh, so it's a good place for me, but we have other good news. And uh, I've been doing a fair amount of preaching during this time of transition. You, you may know that the uh, lead team and our church council has been working together, have been working together in the search for a teaching pastor that would share the platform with uh, our lead pastor, Bob Schwann. And uh, they've actually found a teaching pastor, and he's going to be here next week, and he's going to preach here next week. And his name is Chris Townley.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I think that is great news, Chris. Chris was on staff here he uh, worked with our youth, but he also carried some of the preaching and teaching, and uh, he, is a, he is a lovely a preacher and teacher. He carries the spirit of the Lord in him. He, I wish I knew as much as he knew at his, when I was his age, and uh, so we have that to look forward to, and I think the Lord is doing a, a good thing here. So uh, Chris actually has a message for you, so let's just have a look at the screen.
1: Hey Journey, my name is Chris Townley and I'm excited to announce to all of you that I am going to be your new teaching pastor going forward. Now some of you might be a little familiar with me. Uh, I spent seven years on staff at Journey before moving to Phoenix where I live now. Uh, my wife Kate's currently finishing up medical school, so I'll be doing a little bit of uh, back and forth during this season. But I just I wanted to take a couple moments just to say how excited I am to be joining the team at Journey. Uh, not just because it's it's home and, and I've been there before, but because uh, there's nothing really that gets me more excited than the direction that Journey is heading as we we strive to figure out what it really looks like to live this life that Christ has called us to. Uh, There's a great team, there's a a great leadership in place, and I'm sure all of you are pretty great too. So I can't wait to uh, join you in in this adventure of figuring out what it means to follow Jesus together. I'll see you this Sunday, and please give Derry a big hug for me. Everybody hug him. I know he loves that. Uh, See you soon. Bye.
3: Yeah, I only saw that clip just a little bit ago, and we didn't have time to edit that last section off. Uh, So uh, you may remember, Chris mentioned he went to move to Phoenix while his wife uh, entered medical school and uh, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a neat thing that's going to happen. Chris is going to be here with us for two or three years preaching and teaching and then we are going to partner with him in planting a church which has been part of his life calling that he's carried with us and he'll have this congregation behind him in planting that church and so we, we look forward to some uh, good days together. Well, let's look at the uh, scripture for a bit this morning. This isn't actually a sermon. It's more of an exhortation. Uh, on, my, uh, on one of my file cabinets in my office, uh, which, by the way, is empty. And I want to tell you, despite all the kind words of the staff, uh, early this week, I came into the foyer, made a left, walked into my office, and it was filled with cases of soda pop. And I thought, they've already turned it into a storage room. And I'm not even gone. I went to Sam Bennett and I said, mine, the the hints aren't even subtle anymore. So uh, anyway, on my file cabinet there's a framed graphic. And uh, this is it. It's about a journey. The journey is moving from one place or one season to another. And in the course of that move to experience God's love... And there are three scriptures that, uh, the reason I have this is because of these three scriptures. Psalm 32, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Then Psalm 20, may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And then my life verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For, the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you see in those three verses that there's a collaboration that's going on. That God in his love and his wisdom has plans for us. But in the midst of those plans, he has also placed, because of the DNA that you carry as one created in God's image, he's placed in your heart plans and longing and desires. And he works together with us to fulfill those plans and desires and to move us along in a journey, a journey that has a message to it. Stephen Olford said, My life is my message. And as we move through life, we begin to declare a message. And that message is to the Lord, it's to ourselves, it's to the people around us. Now I've been, uh, I've been around a while, so I'm, I'm 67 in a couple months. And as I've gone through those years, I've developed a message. The Lord has developed a message. My choices have developed a message. I've been married a little over 46 years. And that relationship has its own message and its own declaration about God and about how to live. I've been a father for over 42 years. And that itself has its own message. I've been in this work full time for 45 years. And that has created a message. And I've been a Journey Church here for 11 years. And that has its own message. And you and I are writing a message, and our message speaks to the world. And so, as we live our life, we don't want to just drift. An old preacher once told me some people live their lives so as to make a junkyard of their old age. You know, the thing about that is, we don't make a junkyard of our old age when we're old. We start making a junkyard of our old age, if in fact our old age becomes a junkyard of broken relationships and shattered dreams and ineptitude and incompetence. We start building that junkyard many, many years before we ever reach old age. So as I think with you about journey and transition, I'd like to suggest to you that as we collaborate with the Lord There are a number of things but three particularly I'd like to say and I'd like us to grasp that as we create a message through our journey it will be impacted by three choices. Number one, what you do with your responsibilities. Number two, what you do with your failures. And number three, What you do with your opportunities. Let's look at that first one. What you do with your responsibilities. Jesus was teaching and he talked about a master who left. And the master as he left, he he left money in the hands of three servants. The Bible calls them talents. And uh, the scripture says that the one with two talents doubled the money. The one with five talents doubled the money. The one with one talent simply buried the money. Didn't lose it, but simply buried it. The master came back and he extolled the virtue of the two servants that had doubled the money that he had given them. And then he said these words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in the little things, I will make you ruler over much. And some people end up with a junkyard in their old age because they think the little things don't matter. They didn't realize that the little things were actually the training ground for the big things, and they disqualified themselves from the big things because they didn't take care of the little things. After one year of Bible college, I went back to uh, Western North Dakota where I grew up, and I got a job on a farm for the summer, and I worked for a Swede named Erikson. He had two hired men, me and one other guy. It's where I learned to drink coffee. I came to coffee late. Um, I was at Starbucks at 5 o'clock this morning, and I got to thinking about this guy again because he, drink, he drank coffee, and his other hired guy drank coffee, and he couldn't, go through the, he couldn't go through his farmyard without stopping for coffee, and I got tired of sitting in the pickup, so uh, I began to drink coffee. At the end of the summer, I'm getting ready to go back to school, and he, says, he said this to me, he said I loved having you as a hired, hired man for me because it didn't matter what I asked you to do how dirty or grungy it was you never said anything you just went out and did it. Now it didn't occur to me to say anything I worked for him that was my job. He that's faithful in the little things will become ruler over much. And so I have a son, Nolan, who's a project manager for uh, hospital construction. All he works on is hospitals all over the United States. And uh, he's worked on hospitals as much as $800 million hospitals. And he is usually assigned the most technical floors, like the surgical units. And he's the project manager over those uh, surgical floors. And uh, he started in that career when he was in Portland, Oregon... He was in school and he got a job as a plans clerk for Turner Construction, which was one of the largest construction companies in the U.S. And uh, he came and talked to me one day and he said, Dad, he said, I think I'm going to quit. I said, really? Don't you like? Yeah, I, I like it. I like that atmosphere. But he said, I don't have any free time. This is a 21-year-old kid. You know, you has got to have free time. He said, I don't have any free time. I want to, I want to hang out with my friends. I want, to, I want to go sit at coffee shops and write in my journal. And I said, well, okay. So let me give you this advice, and then you decide. I said, if, if you're not willing to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, you never get to do what you do want to do when you do want to do it. And so he stayed, due to the great wisdom of his father. <laughs> and Turner Construction saw that he had more in him than just being a plans clerk, and so they gave him more responsibility, and more responsibility, and more responsibility. He doesn't even have an engineering degree, and yet he is a top project manager for latent Construction. So much so that now when Leighton gets a new client that they've never worked with before and they hope that that client will generate even more business for them, they send my son to that job. He that's faithful in the little things gets to be ruler over much. And it's not just that. We sometimes stop at the end of that verse. But you know what the rest of it says? he that's faithful in the little things will become ruler over much, enter into your master's joy. That there is a pleasure, there is an intrinsic joy in standing back and knowing that you've accomplished something that has significance and meaning. And so all through scripture, all kinds of little things that God calls us, and he says, these are your responsibilities These responsibilities are actually open doors to greater things. But if we don't look at them that way, we freeze ourselves out. So the Bible says, for example, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives even when they are unlovely. Even when they've had a bad day. He doesn't qualify it. He says, wives, respect your husbands. He says, fathers, don't live with your children in a way that vexes them. He says, stir up the gift that is in you for I've gifted all of you. He says, endure hardness, develop perseverance. These are responsibilities but they're not just responsibilities, they're doorways into something greater. And the message of your life will be written in part by what you do with the responsibilities of your life. Let's look at a second one. It'll be written by what you do with the failures of your life. There's a reason that Peter, the first leader of the church, there's a reason God chose to make sure that we understood in all of its graphicness how Peter failed Christ. He wanted us to learn the potential of failure, not just the pain of it. I believe that more often than not, God writes the greatest messages of our life through our failures, not our successes. In our attention to how we handle our failures has as much to do with whether we'll be of value to other people as all the successes we may have or all the giftedness we may have in particular areas of life. I look back on my life and I can cite at least three significant failures in my life. And I notice a pattern from all three of them. The first one occurred uh, after I'd been married about 10 years, and I had a great family, and I loved my dad, and my dad loved me, and I knew that I could go home anytime, and I'd be accepted, but my dad didn't have much of a model as well, and so I had no idea how to be a husband, and at about 10 years into our marriage, I knew that I wasn't the only one who knew that. And I thought, i I, I got to do something. This, we're, we're headed down not a good path, and I'm not, I'm not being a good husband, and I don't know how to, how to be a good husband. And I went to my office one day, and I like books, and I looked at all the books I had, and I thought, there's got to be something in here that can help me. And some months ago, I bought a book by Gary Smalley called, If Only He Knew which is a book, little book, about 160 pages, but it is written for men on how to relate to their wives. And I thought, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, so I tell you what, I'm going to read this thing, and I'm going to do everything it says. And so I read it, and I did it, and I read it, and I did it, and I read it, and I did it, and I read it, and I did it. I still have it. It's old dog-eared, tore-up piece of a book, beat to pieces. In fact, at one point, I thought... I wonder what his wife thinks about this book. Well, in the back it said that Gary Smalley came from Phoenix, Arizona or lived in Phoenix, Arizona. I thought, how many Gary Smalley's can there be in Phoenix? So I called information. Well, there was four. I thought, well, give me one. So I get a number and I call it. The back of the book says the guy's wife's name is Norma. Woman answers, she says, oh, this is Norma. Ah, Norma. Is your husband, Gary Smalley, who wrote the book, if only he knew? Yes, she said. I said, could I talk to you for a few minutes? Yes, you can. I said, good. Does this stuff really work? Because I want to tell you, I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. So I'm hoping. She said, yes, this will work. Second failure of my life was when I realized, even though I was in a ministry position, that I had no spiritual vitality. I got to where the the issue of inner integrity got to the place I thought I can't preach. I can't even. I got little kids. I've got to somehow earn a living, but I can't preach without more vitality than I have. And so I asked the Lord. I said, "Lord, there's got to be somebody who's been down this road before." And so I just, started, I just started having coffee with people. And I thought, I'll be able to tell from how they respond. And so I sat down at a Hardee's with one guy. And I started just, after the pleasantries, telling him the parchness of my soul. And he interrupts me in the middle. And he says, Derry, you're just telling me my story. And I thought, oh, here it is. He's three steps ahead of me. He can guide me. I kept looking and I met another guy for coffee, happened to be at a Hardee's as well. And I, after the pleasantries, began to tell him where I was at, he interrupts me and he said, Derry, you're just telling me my story. Exact same words. I thought, all right, the Lord's given me two people who will know how to walk me through this place of emptiness that I'm in. It was in that season that I thought I will not ever again preach something that I do not personally experience or that I am not seeking after. Now that put me in a bind because I had to preach Sunday. And I thought, well, what do I know? Well, I know that I am a Christian So I had these one, Billy Graham used to hand out these little books, uh, Steps to Peace with God. And I thought, well, Lord, you're just going to have to do something. I don't know what to do. I I didn't have any energy to tell a story or anything. I thought, I'm just going to, when it comes time for my sermon, I'm just going to walk through the four steps to peace with God from this little book. And I remember doing it. I, I thought, this is so boring. I can't, I just, I just thought, Lord, get me out of this when will we be done this morning? Probably what you're thinking. <laughs> and I got to the end and I'd committed to the Lord that I was gonna invite people to come forward if they wanted to accept Christ. I got to the end of that sermon and I thought, I, I almost didn't do it. I just thought, what what can happen? But I'd promised God. So I stepped back from the pulpit and I just said, Let's bow our heads. No music in the background. If the Lord's talked to you today and you want to give your heart to Jesus, well, I just bow my head and pray. You just step out from where you're at and come down here and stand. And I stood there just waiting for a chance to go home. And I didn't realize what was happening. Because when I looked up From one wall of that little church to the other, there were people standing in the front. There wasn't enough room in the front, so they were standing down the side aisles and they were standing down the center aisle. And I'd promised everyone I would pray with them personally if they came forward. And it was after two o'clock in the afternoon before I got done praying. And I went home. I said, Lord, where have I been? What have I been doing? that I'd have been trying to do this without you. The last crisis happened just a couple of years ago and some of you are familiar with it. I've just, I don't have a depressed bone in my body and yet I just got depressed and I couldn't get all, over it. And the more I tried, the more depressed I get until finally I went to Edmonds, Washington and checked into a clinic. The thing that these three things have in common is that no matter where I was in life, I was willing to take instruction. You know, one of the amazing things to me is that people will come in and see me whose lives are absolutely shipwrecked, and yet they talk as if they know what to do. And I think, why do you think you're even in here? Why do you think your, your view is going to work that much? Can't you be open So the Lord saying something different to you so part of your message will be what you do with the failures of your life and then lastly what will you do with the opportunities Moses could not have dreamed after he failed in Egypt that God was going to turn right around 40 years later and was going to invite him to take a million people out of Egypt over, over the wilderness into a promised land Gideon, who was living in fear, threshing out grain in a wine press, couldn't have imagined that God was going to take this guy who was so overwhelmed with fear and with just 300 men, they were going to conquer 120,000 Midianites. They had to open themselves, even with their insecurities, open themselves to the opportunities that the Lord was going to offer to them. Back in my middle 50s, I, I quit for a year and moved to England to work on a degree where I studied how to create empowering social environments. When I came back, I, I, I wasn't planning to go back into church work because I just, I just really didn't think the church was that interested in how to empower people. Our founding pastor, Brian Hopkins, found out that I was back in the country and ask if I'd be interested in at least having a conversation about a church he was just planning in Bozeman, Montana, which is Journey Church, our church here. And I really wasn't that interested. But I was going to North Dakota to see my parents, and I said, well, I'll stop by on my way back. And I was on the interstate humming along. I just, I was detached. I had no, it was nothing in me that wanted to go back into church work. And I topped the mountain pass east of town. And I got over that pass and I just started to cry. And I couldn't stop crying. And I kept crying all the way down the pass into town. We were going to meet at a coffee shop downtown. And I got there, I parked, and I just had to sit in the car. I thought, I can't even carry on a conversation. I kept weeping. And I said, Lord, what in the world is this? I was just going to do business work and business consulting. I'd already lined, I already had one $140 million client lined up and the Lord says, I, th- this is where I want you. And I had to embrace that opportunity that the Lord was putting in front of me. And some of you know that my, my retiring is for the very same reason. I was, uh, I was in prayer and the God just, Gave me this vision, this picture of a series of open doors. There was light behind each of these doors. They were only open a little bit. But he was trying to close one of them. And I I didn't want him to close it. I I didn't want that door closed. I actually was going to push the other way. The Lord was saying, at this time in your life, I want to write a new chapter. But I can't do it as I open these other doors unless you let me close this one. And that's this door. And so I don't get another chapter unless I let God close the door of this chapter. The Lord comes to you with opportunities. And Satan tells you that you're not equipped for it. Satan tells you of of your failures and why should you even think you could avail yourself of a given opportunity? you got to have the faith to walk through that door and say, Lord, I'm going I'm to access this opportunity. The risk takers have all the stories. The risk takers have all the stories. So as you think about writing a, going on a journey and writing a message of your life, it will be impacted in part. It will be impacted in part by what you do with your responsibilities. It will be impacted by what you do with your failures. And it will be impacted by what you do with your opportunities. We heard at the Global Leadership Summit, when is, when is the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. Some of the fruit in my life today, I started planting 20 years ago. But what is the best, what is the second best time to plant a tree? Today. So, no matter where you are in your journey, God wants to bring you opportunities. He wants to use your failures. He wants to help you grow through your responsibilities so that your life has a message that brings redemption to others let's bow our heads as we finish this morning there may be a responsibility that you're carrying and you haven't seen what God can do with it if you own it and embrace it there may be a failure that you think is a a roadblock but the Lord wants to use it as a deeper message or you may be considering an opportunity that has risk and the Lord is inviting you to follow him So we just wait for a moment with our heads bowed whatever the Holy Spirit is resonating in your heart would you just say yes to him Father, as we pray today, we thank you that with all we know about ourselves and all of our shortcomings, still you want to grow us through our responsibilities. You want to write a deep message through our failures. You want to expand our life and ministry through opportunities. For all of us who have been praying, we thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen as we finish this morning I'd like to do one more thing I wonder if you'd stand with me and I'd like to give you the blessing of the Lord on this Sunday morning now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net. give Thanks.